So, so how were the speakers when we were gone? Are they all right? Eric, okay? Craig? Yeah? I was hoping they didn't do too good because I didn't want to come back and, you know, disappoint. But thank you, guys. Thank you, Eric, for doing Father's Day. Thank you so much. And, Craig, thank you for doing whatever day you did. And then Pastor James last week, huh? Um, talked about being carriers? What? Carriers? Not consumers, yeah. That was a good message. I, I listened to all the messages, good stuff. So we left you in good hands. You guys good? You guys ready? You sure? You know, it's interesting how God works. I entitled the sermon today, Thou Shalt Covet. <laughs> T's like, what? Say what? Say what? That doesn't sound like the Bible. Thou shalt covet. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But I want to do a review because we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about, have you heard? Have you heard about the Holy Spirit? And our premise verses, you remember, this is our seventh teaching that we've done together about the Holy Spirit. And I want to just say, I want to preface this comment with, this is not something we're just getting through to get to the next one. We have to get who the Holy Spirit is, how he works in our life, and we have to be learning to walk in him every day. This is a critical teaching that all of us need to press in and get. Amen? Because this is not just something that it's just, you know, another little sermon series where five principles to be better. Yeah. Five easy ways to be a Christian. Three ways to raise your kids better. This is critical. I want you to think about Acts chapter 1 and 2, and I want you to think about how scared the disciples were. Remember when Jesus said, all of you are going to, you know, Peter's going to deny, they're, they're all going to scatter. The, the prophecy was, strike the shepherd, and all the sheep scatter. And remember, everyone bailed on him. And remember, they were, I want you to understand, have you ever been scared for your life? I don't know if I want to hear that story because you probably have some crazy. <laughs> I don't know if you, well, yeah, you, she was in a plane crash, so we got a lot. There's, and there's probably other great stories. Guys, I want you to think of that time you were scared out of your wits in. I mean, you thought maybe that was the end. Anyone ever been there? Anyone been there? Well, oh, my gosh, this is it. And I want you to understand that all the disciples and the people that followed Jesus, when he got crucified and went through that thing, they were scared to death. Many of them thought they would lose, they all did lose their lives as martyrs as the gospel got preached, but they thought they were dying soon. They were running, hiding out, scared. And I want to tell you what's interesting about this, and what I want you to catch here in this point, is that salvation alone did not help them accomplish what they want to do. They were saved when they believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. So here they were, scared out of their wits in, Jesus Christ had died. Even when he rose, they were still hiding. They were still considering, oh my gosh, I'm gonna, the Jews are out there. They were still terrified. But they were saved. If they would have you know, just croaked on their chicken, they would have gone to heaven. Right? They would have been scared, but still gone to heaven. And so nothing changed 
until the day of Pentecost. So I want you to understand that this changeover from Christ's ministry to the Holy Spirit ministry, that baptism upon the believer is critical. And as I was praying this morning with my prayer partner, Sven, um, the Lord said to me that there's someone here that, I, and this is just a side nugget, someone here needs to wait and seek God intensely and kind of tarry with the Lord. And because you've been wanting the baptism of the Holy Spirit, in fact, you've wanted, you've, you haven't spoken tongues yet. And the Lord said, they need to press in with that attitude so, uh, of, the, of the disciples. Those disciples, they were meeting together, they were praying. They were, they were eating meals together every night. They were together in one accord. They were, I mean, they were like, come on, combine. And, and so the Lord says to someone here, I don't know who it is, he wants you to have that mindset. If you really want the, the Spirit of God to baptize you with power, you've got to want it. This just isn't something. See, a lot of times we get sidetracked with God thinking that it just, we just get stuff and we don't have to do nothing for it. Are you with me? Yeah, we just, it, let's just, oh, let's just love people. You know, that's all we got to do. No, there, there's, God always has a partnership with you. He, the gift is free, but you have to get in a position to receive. You have to receive by faith. So the, the word of the Lord there is for somebody here. If you want that power of the Holy Spirit in your life and you've desired that, then you need to seek God for it. You need to press in. You need to spend some time with God. You need to get out of your bed. If you don't have time for the Lord, you're too busy. If you're, if you're not spending time every day in the Word, there's a problem in your life. Yeah. I'm telling you, get, if you're not, use that as a standard. Hey, if I'm, not, if I'm not reading my Bible on a regular basis every day and having some type of prayer life, there's something wrong. Wake up. Wake up spiritually, guys. I'm, I'm here to shake you and to say, look, God has a bigger plan for you, but you've got to press in and seek Him. You've got to draw near to him, and he'll draw near to you. Amen? So someone here needs to, needs to get that in their heart, and if you really want that, because some people, there's people in this room that have asked, and they think they got it, but they weren't sure, and then they, they keep you know, trying, and it's been this long thing. Even some, someone in here for years, but God says, no, it's yours now, but you've got you've to want it. Are you with me? Are you with me, church? You've got to want that. You've got to desire. And so... Here we have this story of a group of people that were scared out of their wits, all ran and hid, and now in one day's time, they turn into these crazy world changers. Not afraid, they were afraid to die. The next day, they weren't afraid to die. How does that happen? The Spirit of God upon you. They were already saved. They already believed. They already confessed. They were a new creation in Christ, but they had not received the power from on high. They had not received the baptism, the enclothing, the endowment, the, the complete saturation of the Spirit upon you to give you the ability to rise above what you were made of as a person and rise into your spirit man and begin to walk in that. And so they rose into that, and now they were preaching out in the open. <laughs> they were hiding one night. The next day, they're on the street corner, daring the Pharisees, daring the law people to come, and, yeah, put me in prison. Yeah, you try. And what, 3,000 the first day got saved? 
And it says the church grew and grew and grew. Every day people were being added under the church as they met together and fellowshiped and pressed in. Because why? All, all because the spirit of the living God came upon them and empowered them to live their life for Christ. So I want you to know that this is a big deal. This is something important that you can't just say, oh, well, I believe this, or I don't believe that, or whatever. You can, you can say whatever you want, but the, the word declares this is an important thing that each one of us needs to have, right? That comes into play a little later when we get into 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, and we start talking about these spiritual gifts, and we'll get to that in a second. But does that make sense? So in, in, if, if you turn to um, Acts uh, 19, you can turn there or just, uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing again, but I want to remind us of what our, our, our verse there about Paul talking to disciples that have been following Christ for 20 years. Remember, this was 20 years after Christ ascended. And they said, hey, uh, have you gotten the Holy Spirit? And they said, we have not heard of the Holy Spirit. And so Paul said, oh, yeah, the Holy Spirit here. Let's pray for you. And they all prayed they all were baptized in the Holy Spirit, saved people, getting baptized in the Spirit, and they all spoke in tongues as a sign that the Holy Spirit had fallen upon them, okay? The clear message, that's clear messages throughout Acts in that, in that manner, but it's always going to be that people were saved, they believed in Christ already, sometimes they, as they believed they got baptized, uh, you know, so... The Spirit of God came upon them 20 years later as a sign of that God is moving. So we looked at week one, if you remember, in your notes, we have a little review there. You can go with me really quickly, but I want you to get a, a, this in your mind. We talked about in and upon. We kind of discussed that right now. The spirit within, the spirit upon. I'm not going to spend time on that, but I do want to say this. Remember in that sermon, we talked about that you and me are here to continue what Jesus started. And you and me cannot walk in the footsteps of Jesus without the power of the Holy Spirit because God's ex expectations for us is to walk as Jesus walked. We're to see people that are sick and heal them. We're to see people that are hurting and comfort them. We're to speak life into them. We're to speak words of wisdom as the Spirit enables us. We're to, we're to walk like Jesus. We're to continue what Jesus began. Week two, we talked about who is he. We talked about that he is God, but that he's a God who wants to talk to us. The Holy Spirit is God, and he speaks to us every day. And remember, we took about three minutes of complete silence in the room, and that was kind of weird because that's very uh, abnormal that we just be quiet. And for three minutes, we just sat there and we listened, and, minute, and the Holy Spirit talked to several of you. But God, he's God. The Holy Spirit is God. <clears throat> Number three, what does he do? Then we talked about the Holy Spirit being our comforter, our helper, and our advocate. And that was an important role because that's what Jesus talked about in the last part, few chapters of John, that you know the Holy Spirit was going to come and he was going to be their helper. And remember, we talked about the, the Greek word paraclete, which meant to come alongside and help. So the Holy Spirit was sent from the Father to us to live with us, to come alongside of us and help us live our life and do what God's called us to do. And then the next week we looked at um, the Holy Spirit gives us power to walk in our destiny, that none of us can accomplish what God has in store for us. Remember last week when James talked about the preferred future? Wasn't that good? I, and I love the way he worded that. God has a preferred future for everyone in this room. 
Now, whether we walk in that or not is going to be a lot up to you and, and how you're going to respond to the Lord and obey the Lord's word and walk in the Spirit. Because there can be a preferred future for you that God really desires and you can miss it. Okay? But as you walk in the Spirit every day, you will miss less and less of those opportunities to walk in the fullness that God has for you. So, so think of that. So when we, the Holy Spirit gives us the power to walk in the fullness and to walk in that expected um, uh, future for us, to walk in that in a full manner. <clears throat> and then under that, we have a fill in there. So the Spirit, the Holy Spirit divided on the day of Pentecost and remained on each one. Remember how important that was? And I want everyone in this room to know, young and old, that the Holy Spirit wants to reside in and upon you as an individual. And what was unique about this is that the Spirit of God never did that before. He was usually on one person or a group of people and then would leave and not be on that person. Now, through Christ, we can have the Spirit of God, the hope of glory, living in us forever and ever, the guarantee of our salvation, the guarantee that when we take our last breath, we start our eternity. Isn't that exciting? And we are getting closer, church. I don't know if you really, really sense that. There is so much prophetic things that are coming to uh, ahead and coming to where they could be fulfilled in an instant. I mean, within a two to three month period, we could have so many prophecies being fulfilled that it would be crazy. I think the Lord is, I know the Lord's coming back, but I think it's soon. And I think we need to be ready. And I think that's why there is a, a spirit, an evil spirit of distraction. Because I think the enemy, and especially in America, can use distraction to get us to live a sublime, normal life, no, just ebb and flow, we don't want to be bothered, but yet we still feel like we're Christians. See, because that's the trick. If the enemy can get us to feel like, hey, we're still, yeah, Jesus loves us, we're good, we, I love you, we're, I go to church, you know, I went and fed the homeless one day, Saturday, for the whole year, one time, I'm good. That's deception. Because if he can distract us from pressing in to the destiny maker, Holy Spirit, we're going to every day miss out. Miss out on what God has for us. There's people that you're going to miss out. On vacation, me and Jen took, it was, it was difficult because when you're on vacation, you're like, it's easy to forget about Jesus. You know? Except when you get on the plane. Oh, Jesus. Lord, you know, we're praying. And so that's why it's important for, for me when I do stuff like that. I, I'm in the Word every day, but I was for sure on vacation in the Word. Because I know that it's, it's easier to get even more distracted when you get out of your normal routines and stuff. And I'm telling you, church, there is a spirit of distraction that wants to keep you from pressing into God because your natural default setting as a human is to do what feels good to you, what's comfortable, what makes you feel good. So if it feels good, do it. That shall be the whole of the law. Satanic Bible. That's, that's, their, that's their commandment. Our commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, mind, and strength. That means every ounce of you, every part of you, every physical, spiritual, mental, every part of your being is to love the Lord your God with everything. That's a big deal. That's a hard uh, tab to fulfill. Amen? To everything? Yeah, everything. Why? Because when you do it with everything, when you give it all, you get all. If you love little, you get little. Just thought. 
So the Spirit divided and remained on each one. The Spirit of God lives in you, is never going to leave you, never forsake you. He'll be with you through the end. He'll be with you in the low times and the high times, the times where you don't feel like he's there. He's there working in the background for you, loving on you, working all things for your good. The Spirit of God on the day of Pentecost and every day after that, that people asked for him to come, he came upon them and stayed. Aren't you glad he remained? <laughs> I am so glad. There are times, Lord, thank you for remaining on me today. That was a tough day. <laughs> he loves us. Next was walk in the Spirit. We need to learn to walk in the Spirit. And the question we asked was, are you following his lead? Are you talking to the Holy Spirit every day? Or if, if you don't hear a lot of questions in your mind during the day that are godly questions about, hey, have you, have you been in the Word? Have you said I love you to your kids or wife or... You know, have you encouraged so-and-so? That's the Holy Spirit. He's asking and talking to you and trying to guide you and lead you, and you've got to be responsive to that and be led by him. And so we talked about that. Then we talked about the last week I was here about spirituals. Remember, the, there's really not a word for spiritual gifts in the Bible, and we thought it was kind of strange, but we looked and we discussed that really the word for spiritual gifts was less about the gifting, but more about the person and vessel in which the gift flowed through. Remember that? And we talked about spiritual gifts are less about what you do and more about who you are. So operating in the spiritual gifts and having the Holy Spirit work through you is less about the gift that you're labeled with, oh, I give prophecy, or oh, I give a tongue and interpretation, or I do this, I'm in the helps ministry. It's less about the labels that you have on you, and it's more about you being open to God working in and through you. Are you with me? Because it is God who works in and through you. It is not your gift. You are the vessel carrier of that gift. The gifts are the Holy Spirit's, and he gives those gifts as he wills at times and whenever he sees fit, and you're ready to receive. Ooh, that's good, right? You got to be ready. The Holy Spirit may say, hey, I want to move on you today. Are you ready? Are you an open vessel, or do you have blockades and walls and barriers up that are going to keep you from walking in that Oh, the Holy Spirit says, man, I gotta, I'm going to give him the gift of miracle right now. Go pray for that guy in the wheelchair. Are you ready to believe that? Are you open to do that? Are you afraid? So there's that where you have to be open. It's about being a vessel of honor. Remember, there was vessels of honor and dishonor. And the Bible said that we could choose to be a vessel of honor by ridding ourselves of the things that hinder us from being a vessel that God can pour in and pour out of. Amen? You good? That was a good review. You guys there? You guys remember all that? I didn't test you as much. I didn't want to. Get, uh, it always makes me feel sad. No, I'm kidding. But this week, I want to talk about, and, it's, and I want to keep the concept just kind of isolated and, and short because I want you to meditate on this this week. The title was Thou Shalt Covet, and I want you to read with me in 1 Corinthians 14.1. So if you look at 1 Corinthians letter to a big church that had a lot of stuff going on in it. Paul, in, in more than any other letter, deals with the spiritual gifts. He deals with all the tough stuff too, like speaking in tongues, interpreting tongues, how services should be ordered. <clears throat> and he says this at the, uh, in the beginning of verse 14, verse 1, uh, or chapter 14, verse 1, after 12 and 13, remember 12, he introduces, he says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant in 12. 
And he starts talking about what the gifts are, and he labels some of them. Then in verse 13, he goes into the love chapter, right? So he sandwiches the love chapter, right? Right in between the starting of talking about how spiritual gifts need to be, and then summing up and giving more instruction on how they should work in the church. Isn't that interesting? That the spiritual gifts and all the, the, the uniqueness of them, the power of them, um, are sandwiched right around love. And I thought about that, and I thought, yeah, that that's, makes perfect sense, right? Because without love, these gifts are worthless, right? What does Paul say? It's like a clanging bad musician playing a cymbal out of, ugh, ugh. it can be irritating, right? Right, musicians, when your instrument gets out of key, or, oh, that sound, it makes, it's, it's irritating. And so, love is sandwiched in between there, because without love as your source, then the gifts aren't there. But here's the problem. And I want you to think about this with me. The American church and a lot of churches in our, in our, in our area that, and that I've been a part of, we get so focused on the love part that we forget that that doesn't negate that we are still commanded to operate in the gifts. Right? T? Did I get a name in, T? She's going to get up here and knock me out the pulpit and start preaching. <laughs> We are so, and, and I'm not saying that's bad, but you know, we always sway. So check this out. As I'm reading, you know, 1 Corinthians, Paul's really addressing all this stuff. Think about the church in Corinthian, right? And so their history, right? Their, their story, oh, remember when the Lord moved on the day of Pentecost, right? And every, remember, the whole room spoke in tongues. And now that's their pattern, and now they put that and they make everything about that. It, it's how we humans do it. We, do, we have one event and then we make that event our God. And then they got into all kinds of trouble. So they were speaking in tongues. Everyone was speaking in tongues out of turn and there was no interpretation and no one was getting edified and it just turned into this big old mess. But isn't it like humans, all of us, to where we, well, but that was our model. We need to go. That, they all spoke in tongues every time. So just because... They all got baptized on the day of Pentecost and spoke in tongues, check this out, all at the same time. They were all speaking in different languages at the same time, and no one was interpreting on the day of Pentecost. So in their mindsets, that's their example. So no wonder Paul had to respond, because by the way Paul wrote 1 Corinthians, he's responding to people's questions. You can tell in several chapters. Now, now concerning this, now concerning this, you know he got the big telephone message. Hey, Paul, man, we got some problems. I, I thought you said this, and he's writing a letter to address all these things, and he's saying, look, guys, just because you see one thing happen, you don't base everything off the one thing, right? That's why the Bible talks about two or three witnesses and that we never base any one doctrine, teaching thing on one type scripture, but think about that. Everyone was speaking in tongues at the same time, no interpretation on the day of Pentecost. That was their first picture of tongues in a body of believers. They didn't know what to do with it. So now Paul's bringing instruction there. And in verse 14, after the love chapter in the middle sandwiched there, and we realize we've got to have love as our source, but we can't just say, oh, no, just love people. No, just love them. We don't need tongues anymore. We don't need interpretation we don't need words of wisdom. We don't need that healing. That's all past. I'm, I've been reading commentaries. They say, oh, yeah, that was just to set up the church. It's no longer good today. Oh, that was just for the, the early church. You know, that's what they needed then, but that's not for now. We just love people. 
Okay, we still love people, but that does not negate the fact that we are called to walk in the gifts. Now, check out verse, uh, verse 1 of 14. Paul says after the love chapter, pursue love. Okay? Pursue love. Now, that word pursue is interesting because when you look it up in the Greek, it actually talks about pursuing someone like, like running from the law. So this is not just pursue casually. This is like Isaiah pursuing someone. No, I'm kidding. You're right. Just trying to get you to laugh. So you ever had a girlfriend or boyfriend that you really liked? And you're thinking about them. You're calling them. You're wondering if you should call on the phone. Did anyone have the rotary phones? Yeah, Craig. I figured Craig, yeah, yeah. You're trying, should I call them? And, did, you know, when call waiting came out, remember all that? You know, call waiting. And, and three-way calling. Oh, that, could, that got a lot of trouble going. But the, the pursuit of love, right, we pursue things that we want, right? If we want something or if someone did you wrong, Anyone been driving and want to pursue someone that just cuts you off or did some? Truck driver? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys know, right? I'm telling you, pursuing people that in an angry way or frustration is a big deal. But with Paul says, with that same type of intensity, with the same type of intensity where you either you're loving someone or you're so you want to you want to give justice, there's a lot of people I want to go, I want to stop, I want to pull them over in the car and I want to show them this lane when you turn right. You don't stop. The lane that goes by itself and has arrows pointing this way means that you go and continue to go, put your blinker on, and merge in with traffic. There's no stop sign there. Please don't stop. With that same intensity, and my wife's laughing at me, I need to pursue love. You need to pursue love. And so Paul says, pursue love, because that's important. We don't want to be a clanging symbol. But then he says, there's an interesting word next. And earnestly desire spirituals, spiritual gifts, being a vessel to work through. Desire all the things that I just got done talking about in 12, you got to desire those too. Because in 13, I talked about love. I want you to pursue that. Don't give up on that. Pursue love in 13, but don't forget chapter 12 and all the gifts too. Because those power gifts are important to the church and we need them. Desperately need them. So don't forget about it. So he says, pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts. You know what that word means? Covet. Thou shalt covet spiritual gifts. You shall covet, desire. And look at what this word means. It's very interesting. If you look at, there's different words that are different parts of the word that can be used. One meaning of it is to set one's heart on. To be deeply committed to something. Talking about that love with, for another person. Set your heart upon it. So Paul's saying, set your heart upon the spiritual gifts. Pursue love. Don't forget to pursue that and keep that as your foundation and your source. But you better, with everything in your heart, go after the gifts. Plural. Not one. Not one you want or is comfortable for you, but all of them. Did you know that all the gifts you can work in and become more and more fluent in every part of the gifts that the Holy Spirit offers? Some people think, oh, that's just, I, I, this is just my one gift. I'm just this and nothing else. No, 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 no. God said, covet all of them. Wow. Not if you feel like it. Not if it's convenient. But I want you to eagerly desire, pursue the gifts. Another meaning is have a deep concern, 
Another meaning, number three, would be to covet, like we talked about. Really, and it means to desire another's possessions. So if Craig gives prophetic words or a word of wisdom, I'm too, oh man, I want that. I want to, I want to bless someone and help them just like Craig, man. I, oh, I desire that. So if I desire that, what am I going to do? Craig, tell me about how God works in your life. Can I hang out with you one day and just talk through how, what you've learned? Are you with me? I've got to desire that because if I just desire it and don't do anything to it, is that really desire? That's more of a lust than having a true desire, right? Okay, and then the last one was, uh, and this is interesting, is to be jealous. So with, not in the jealous in the negative sense, but in the, the word jealous with that same intensity, we should desire spiritual gifts. Be envious, be jealous for those. So those four things are the, word, are the way that word is interpreted and used. And in here, Paul says, pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Because if you read 12, 13, and 14, prophecy is the most effective because it edifies the body. It builds up. Are you with me, church? So you can see the importance of having the spiritual gifts. And I want you to get in your heart today that you are called as a uh, an individual Christian to pursue your spiritual gift. Gifts. Okay? God has more for you than you realize right now. God has more for you to operate in than your mind is perceiving right now. I want you to kind of look at your face, if you can. Look at your face. It's weird. Look at your face and tell yourself, God's got more for you than you realize. A lot of you have the problem of low expectations on your spiritual life. You don't expect much out of your spiritual life. Then that way, when you don't produce it, it's not a big deal. I want you to start expecting more out of yourself. Because God does, and he's going to empower you to do it. He's going to empower you to walk in these gifts. If you read through, and I, I don't, too much time, it would take weeks to go through each of the words and giftings, but you read through those gifts... And there's a common thread. It's all about helping others. It's all about blessing other people and helping them get to their destiny in Christ. I mean, just think of some of them. Word of wisdom. Anyone ever got a word of wisdom or knowledge spoken over them? Raise your hand. Yeah? Okay, so there, there's been several. Has that been helpful? Yeah? How about um, anyone been prayed for and God uh, actually healed their bodies? All the gifts are to help people translate out of darkness and chaos and clutter into peace and godly destiny and prosperity in Christ. All these gifts. See, see the thing is, can I use a football analogy? I know not everyone plays football, but you have an offensive line, and if you're the quarterback, you, you, blindside, anyone watch the blindside movie? Right? Yeah? Blind? Blind side? Yeah. So I believe it was the left tackle, right? So normally a quarterback that's right-handed hikes, gets the ball, and he turns this. He's right here. He's trying to have whole vision, but his blind side's over here, right? So if that tackle over there or that line doesn't defend that side of the line well, he's going and he's looking, and he might 
and he could get clobbered from the back. You ever see a quarterback get hit from the blind side? Looks like it hurts, right? It's the same way in a church where if you don't eagerly pursue and covet the spiritual gift that God wants to, gifts that God wants to work in you, you are leaving an open breach in our offensive line in our church and in our family. So if you don't do your part, you hurt other people by your lack of doing anything. Your laziness can hurt others. You, you can't just say, well, I'm not going to do anything and just live my life and go to church. No, you're hurting us. Once you're saved, you're on the team, man. Get in position because you're hurting other people. And so many of us go to church and we never, we never pursue. Now, I really want you to focus on that word covet. That's why I titled it that because I, I want you to get a mindset in your hearts that you as an individual got to decide for yourself. I can talk to you and try and encourage you and yeah. But you've got to decide in your heart that you're going to, with everything in you, desire God's best in you and to be used by the master to minister to others. God did not call you to just get saved and have a happy home in heaven. God called you to get saved and have a happy home in heaven and then go help other people get out of darkness and get a happy home and get saved and go to heaven. Right? So that's the, that's the whole message of the gospel. The gospel is not just salvation, home, and heaven. The gospel is getting life, an abundant life. What's an abundant life? Getting free from slavery. If the Emancipation Proclamation, I love this story. I know I said it before. But if you understand, in a slave's mindset, they were a slave owning miserable conditions. The law came out and changed and gave them freedom. But many slaves stayed in slavery even though the law was given because they either felt powerless or scared. There's a lot of, lot of reasons why. But they, were not, they didn't feel empowered, but they had the right to freedom. You know how many Christians stay in spiritual slavery because they don't, are afraid to go out and exercise their authority in Christ and take the law that's given them Right? The law gives them the authority. The Holy Spirit upon you gives the power, and now you can walk and get free from all that junk that holds you down. But everyone in this room, it's been emancipated that we are free from sin. We don't have to sin anymore. We're free from the slavery and the bondage that comes through habitual sins and through the enemies getting all in your face and keeping you down and thumbing you down by speaking lies into your heart and getting you to believe him and he keeps you controlled. You have freedom from that. But until you allow the Holy Spirit to come into you and move in that, that's why these gifts are so important because there's people even in this room and we got to get this whole room Free to the point where you all can start going to the next folks that come in and they're hurting. You can go, hey, let's talk. Because I got spiritual gifts. Let's pray together. Let's just start praying. And get people set free and bring truth into their life and give them a revelation or illumination. Sometimes, guys, just speaking God's word over someone can radically change them. You know, people didn't know. I've told a lot of people that when you have thoughts, they're not all yours. And sometimes when you have a thought, it's an enemy, it's a demon speaking, and you're hearing it in first person, and you think it's yourself. I, can t I, I think at this point, Craig, honestly, since we've discovered that, hundreds of people have probably been set free from that, just that concept alone. Amen? So 
It can be just a word of God that can do that. But we need the gifts, and you need to get in your place on the front line and stand your ground and eagerly covet and desire the gifts and get this about, because see, too many of us are so wrapped up in all our problems, we spend our whole life in a mess. We spend our whole life concerned about me, me, me. I got this problem, I got that problem. We're a walking mess. We're a walking horrible testimony to Jesus and the power of the cross because we got so many problems, we can't even help anyone else out. Wouldn't it be nice to get some of your own problems, because you're going to have them, settled down, some of them delivered from and free, and then you can start going, okay, God, who else, who else can I help? I want to help. I got free from this. Now I want to help someone else get free from what they are fighting. That's the gospel. That's why it's about um, perceiving that you have to earnestly desire to covet so that your gift is being used in the body, Okay. Now, check this out. In chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, remember he goes into the whole body discussion. How can the hand say to the foot, we don't need you, right? Every part of the body doing its thing. That's the concept of holding your line. If you don't do your part, the whole body suffers. The whole body suffers. And then when one part of the body rejoices, then we're all rejoicing together. Because we're a team, we're all interconnected, guys, whether you like it or not. That, why do you think Jesus and the Word talk so much about living in harmony and uh, love and, and forgiving one another and not holding bitterness, not be, letting the sun go down in your anger? Why do you think God was so concerned about forgiveness? Because we're all connected. We're all connected whether we like it or not. And you can think and isolate yourself all you want and let the enemy ransack your house and isolate yourself and don't have any friends. But you know what? You're still hurting us, the body. You think by, well, I just, no, I don't want to be anyone's responsibility, so I'm going to not talk to anyone and hide in my house and just watch TV and, know, and keep all my walls up. You're, hurt, you're still hurting us. We need you. Every position. Because you know the thing is, we don't have a bench. If you think about it, sports teams has subs. Sports teams have subs and benches that can come in. Oh, but when we get tired and weary and fall down, we just have a hole in our hedge. That's it. Because every person in here is important and necessary and has a gift and has a part in the body. So one little person, doesn't matter. When you... When you leave or you have a doubt, that that's affects the whole body. Are you, are you getting this thing where unity is important, <laughs> working together, loving each other, forgiving? Man, I'm telling you, we don't have subs. We need you. We need you to earnestly desire. Paul made this clear, guys. These guys, this church was spiritual. Oh, they were flowing and all. They had so many gifts, they didn't know what to do with it. They had so many gifts going, they got themselves in trouble. And Paul said, look, I want you to pursue love, but don't you dare stop pursuing these gifts. And remember later he says, and don't forbid speaking in tongues because everyone was wanting him to stop speaking in tongues. That's, that's the thing even today. Churches don't want to speak in tongues. They don't want that gift. They don't want to deal with it. They don't want to talk about it. People have been hurt by it. All this confusion's about it. And so they just leave it out of the church and they think that's okay. That's not okay. Why? Because every gift that the Holy Spirit has is important and needed for today. Amen? It's needed for today. Wow, time flew. And I did less notes 
to accomplish a shorter sermon. <laughs> that didn't work. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's look uh, 1 Peter 4, 7. This is a really cool chapter um, or uh, part of Scripture. And I'm going to read a little few verses, but we're going to focus in on 10. But 1 Peter 4, 7 says this. The end of all things are at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Well, we could preach on that right there. Do you know that God doesn't always listen to your prayer? I was just in our reading this morning. If you're journaling with us, we're in Isaiah now. In the first part of Isaiah, and Isaiah talked about how God was saying, because of your disobedience and all your sin, you're coming in here and I'm not even going to hear your prayers. That was to his kids. It cracks me up when non-believers, oh, I'm praying, I'm praying. Well, who are you praying to? Because God doesn't listen to prayers of the sinner. There's one prayer that God will listen to if you're not saved. That's, I repent. And I confess. That's what God listens to. That's a different sermon, sorry. Um, eight, verse eight, above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Remember, we're talking about loving each other. Since love covers a multitude of sins, very connected to what we just talked about. Verse 9, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Hospitality, being cordial with each other, having people over together. Then verse 10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good steward of God's varied grace or multiple grace or many graces. Each one of you has been given a gift that God is expecting you to use. And if you are not using that gift to help others in the body and, and in the world, you're missing out. You're opening our offensive line up to the enemy to get in and take us out. You know, if you think about this, we wonder sometimes, I got to visit my mom and, and uh, she does thank you all that are praying and um, and she's still, she's still fighting, doing good. Oh, but for the first time, I actually saw the cancer. Because she was, you know, normally she wears tight collar shirts, but it starts about right here. And she was wearing a shirt, you know, just her, her shirt that went down here. And I saw all the stuff, and it just, ooh, it was just tough, right? And, and, you know, we see hard things like that. Me and Kelly were in the booth talking about healing and just the tough things about bad stuff happening to good Christian people. And, and, uh, and as I was studying this last week, I thought of the hedge of protection that when we're all operating in our gifts, how we really truly do protect one another from stuff getting in and all that. And I thought, if everyone has a gift and it's, it needs to be used and it's so important, what would, it, what would happen if there's 50% of us that don't care and aren't going to use our gift? And then we look around and we see people's families attacked. We see financial burdens. We see sick kids, sickness, more sickness and disease. And we question that. And I thought, huh, you know, God, God loves unity. There's something about us working together that God blesses and loves and it makes sense to me that hell would be able to get in as some of us choose with our will to not operate and be used as a vessel of the Holy Spirit. I mean, 
if we had a circle with 100 people around us and we had enemies attacking and all of us had our AR-15s, but half of us decided to put our ARs on the ground and just stand there, you think someone would get in? That's what we do when we choose not to use our gifts. We allow an openness into our body. Guys, you got to get this down. It's a team effort. We, we, we succeed together or we fail together because God doesn't accept onesies. He wants us to be together. It's about unity. And isn't it interesting that Jesus said when you do work together and you do have unity, then the world will see that and go, oh. Wow, look at all those people working together. Why is there something different in this whole community? Because everyone's using their gift. Everyone's allowing the Holy Spirit to work through them as a vessel, and that vessel brings healing. And instead of AR-15s, think of uh, doctor instruments to help sick people get better. Every person in here has an instrument or a gift to help someone get closer to Jesus, to get more healthy spiritually, to get more into their destiny. Every one of you has a tool to help, but half the church drops their tools and says, I'm busy, I got to go to the park and I got to go do this and that. And You can see where that could go, right? Are you with me? Yeah. I know it's kind of heavy there. Okay, it's getting late. I'll, I'll, I'll just end with these quick concepts. The Lord really shared with me, Doug, I want you to do this thing about coveting these gifts because the people need to hear this. He said, but I want you to tell them, just to get back to the fundamentals, to get back in that mode, every one of you. So I want, you guys know what fundamentals are, right? All sports people know. Fundamentals are the basics, the foundation of your sport. So I played a lot of basketball my whole life. And so dribbling would be a, a fundamental. If you can't dribble, you could be a tremendous athlete, but if you can't dribble the ball, you'll never succeed in the game because you'd travel and never do anything. So you gotta, you, gotta, uh, you gotta dribble and shooting and the fundamentals of shooting. When you shoot, you gotta have your feet apart. Your knees have gotta be bent. You gotta have your elbow here and you gotta do all this. It's all one body and it's a wave and you gotta shoot like this and your hands gotta be up here and Went to camp, and all those are fundamental. So whenever the coach, and you're having a slump, and I couldn't, hit, couldn't make baskets, and they weren't falling in, he would go back and, okay, let's fundamentals. Now get your elbow in. Get your elbow up here. Your, your elbow's out here when you're shooting. You can't do that. It's got to be right here. And, it's, and he would go through the fundamentals, and then that would correct, and then I would get the right produce that I was wanting, which was the shooting would go in, right? So spiritually, God's saying to us, let's go back to the fundamentals because a lot of you are going, man, I want to walk in my gifts, but I don't even know what mine is. I'm not very strong in it, but what are the fundamentals of the gifts? So let's go over this quickly. I don't want to keep you very long, but number one, you got to know the word. And I'm going to say this for the, I don't know how many years God's going to have me here. It's going to be quite a few years, so get used to it, else you might want to leave and make this your last Sunday because I'm going to say this over and over. you got to get into the word. You have got to get in the word. You've got to hide it in your heart. You've got to memorize it. You've got to chew on it. You've got to eat it. You've got to digest it. You've got to love it. You've got to pursue it with everything. Without the word, you're not going to be able to walk in your gift. You've got to know God's word. Think of the word of God as the anointing. The anointing simply is the special working power of the spirit to help you do something. God, was Jesus the anointed one? Was he the word? 
the word with us. The word is the, you get this anointing in, you'll get anointing out. Get anointing in, you'll get anointing out. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing of the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Uh, we all know 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God, is God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness. So the word of God's important. That's number one. Get in the word. If you don't have a system of getting in the word, come talk to me. Come talk to one of the pastors or the staff. We have journals in the back. You can get into the word with us. This is something you need every day. It's that big a deal. It's the power of God into salvation. You have to have the word of God. You can't even walk in faith without a word from God. You can't exercise faith without a word from God. If you didn't know God said, for God so loved you and gave his only son, begotten son, you wouldn't have known to got saved. That was a word from God. You've got to hear a word. You cannot have a, a, a faith without the word. Number two, you've got to learn to hear his voice. Walking in your gifts, a fundamental of walking in the gifts is hearing the voice of the Lord. If that's a struggle for you, I would encourage you um, that all these four things build on one another. Hearing his voice builds upon being in the word. If you want to hear God's voice more, get more familiar with it by reading his word. Then when he speaks to you, you'll recognize it. You'll recognize the spirit of God speaking to you as you meditate on his word because you're going to be so familiar with the truth that when a lie pops in your head, you'll immediately recognize and go, that doesn't come into alignment with God's truth. You're a lie. I reject you. But the better news is that when you're so familiar with God's truth and he speaks to you, you're going to go, that's God. That, that lines up perfectly with the word. And then you go do it in faith. So read the word, hear his voice. John 10, 27 says, my, Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. We should know his voice. All right. Number three, which builds upon the word and hearing his voice is fellowship with believers who practice this. Remember when I talked to Craig here about his gift and I want to know about it? If you want to go back to the fundamentals of growing in the gift that God's given to you, get around people who are exercising it. If you think about your circle right now of friends and family and none of them ever pray for someone in public, then maybe drop one of them and find a friend who does. Get around people who you want to be like. It's funny, I think, in Paul, I think in Corinthians, Paul did say, you know, bad company corrupts good morals. So you, if you want to be like God, hang around people that are exercising and having fruit in their life about doing stuff for God. Right? If you don't hang around people like that, you're, you're going to become like those you hang out with. And if the people you're hanging around with are, all they want to do is go to the mall and shop and go to movies and that's all they want to do and eat food, then you're going to probably end up like that. What do you want to be like? Get around people who practice it. Paul said, actually, in 1 Corinthians 11, right before 12, 13, and 14, he says, be imitators of me as I am an imitator of Christ. That's powerful. Get around people who are imitating, that have fruit in their life, that are practicing these. And then fourthly, lastly, you got to take a risk. It's all built on one another. Get in the word. 
Start hearing the word, then you start hearing his voice better. As you hear his voice better, you start fellowshipping with people who are putting into practice the word and the voice. You gotta hear the word, you gotta hear God tell you to do something, then you gotta act and do it, and you're not gonna act sometimes alone, so you go around people that are doing that, you see them doing that, and you say, oh, that wasn't too hard, I could probably do that. So the next time you go and God says, go pray for that homeless person, you don't get freaked out and scared and sweat and practically die, you just go over and say, hey, what's your name? Hey, can I pray for you? I, at the booth, I prayed for two, well, I tried to pray for two people. The first one rejected it, and the second one accepted it. The first guy said, I don't need God no more. He's already screwed me up. Well, come back. I'll pray for you whenever you want. He didn't want prayer. The second guy smiles. He wanted prayer. So be around people because that's what gets you into the last thing, which is take a risk. You can't please God unless you take risks, guys. Faith is risk. It's uncomfortable. It's not easy. God wants you to take a risk and praying for people and all that. That's risky. Speaking to someone's life about problems they have, going around a person that is struggling in marriage and being willing to, to walk with them through that whole thing, that's tough. That takes faith. It's a risk. It takes your time. It's not self-centered. It's going to be about others. So know the word. Two, hear his voice. Three, fellowship with believers who practice that. And four, take a risk. And that's good enough. God's good. Are you with me? I love you guys. I'm excited about what God's doing in the, in the future. And I want to say uh, next week, um, Pastor Craig's preaching. So if you don't like him, don't come to church. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, Greg's, uh, Craig's a tremendous uh, preacher, um, and he has a good word. The, the, uh, I'm telling you, and I'm, I'm going to brag on you, but I'm not trying to brag. I've spent a lot of time praying with people with Craig, and uh, we actually make a really good team because part of his gift is he has visions and sees, sees things spiritually, and we've got a lot of people free because of that. So God's speaking to his heart, and I want you guys to come next week and hear it. I'm going to be with Chris. Where is Chris? Did he have to take off? They've got a bunch of, oh, no, there he is. Um, Chris is getting married next Sunday. And so, so I get to be a part of that, and I'm excited for that. So next Sunday, they're getting married in Napa. Craig's preaching. We're going to have a great service, so show up. Don't, don't flake out because I'm not here. That's bad news. And Craig will be sad. He'll call me and be like, Doug, no one came to church today. <laughs> no, but you guys come. Bring a friend. And then the next week, um, I'm starting a new series that I'm super excited about. Um, it's called Wholeness. And it's going to be hard for some of you, but it's going to be fun. Because we're going to talk about things that people don't want to talk about, like healing and stuff. And, um, and I want you to hear this because this, this teaching is really what has helped me in my life tremendously. And I want to share that with you. So it's going to be an adventure. We're going to get into stuff um, like um, Job. Oh, I can't wait to teach on Job. Oh, I can't wait. We're going to get into Paul's thorn in the flesh, because uh, that's been mistaught and misused. Um, we're going to get into some fun stuff like that, but we're going to talk about wholeness and what God's really his desire and plan for us as his children is. It's going to be a fun one. Don't want to miss that. Um, and don't forget, guys, got a lot of stuff coming up. I want you to be involved in as much as you can. Got summer camp coming up. We got... Uh, we got men's and women's camps, so get signed up, be involved in that, and uh, um, just let's be a team. Let's, let's pursue our gift, amen? Let's do everything we can. Let's covet those spiritual gifts. Let's be jealous. Let's get them. Let's, let's be fulfilled and do, do all that God wants for us. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you have given us each a place in, on your team and in your family. And Lord, we thank you that we, every part of our body is vitally important to the success of the mission of Jesus Christ on this earth. So Lord, we thank you. Uh, I thank you, Lord God, for each and every single person in this young, old, and in the middle, God, because every, every person has an important part. And I pray, God, and I ask today that you would help each one of us discover who we are, grow into the, the full use of our gifts, Lord, so that we can walk as you walk and we can do what Jesus did and we can help people know you and get free and live the abundant life that Jesus promised in the scriptures, Lord. So we pray, God, for that. We ask for that. We believe it, God, and we're going to pursue it this week, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Pray. Amen. Amen. I mean, love you guys. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.